I've been pondering it all morning. I'm like, this is a short section that I'm talking about today. And I had almost combined it. Last week I told you we would talk about Proverbs 29.18. That's going to be next week. Because that one, I felt like we had to cover one other verse first. Um, because the Proverbs, the way that Proverbs works together for us is, um, and this is all the Lord's doing. I had, I had prepared the entire other sermon, was ready to go. And then it was like, I can't preach this until I talk about another verse that is misunderstood that I had in my notes, but I had put them down in a different order thinking, well, this is how they should go. This is what happens when you just allow the Lord to lead you. And somewhere about 11 o'clock last night, I'm sitting here watching football, watching Clemson destroy Pittsburgh and wondering why Notre Dame doesn't get all the credit that they deserve as a football team. But that's not in the sermon today. Um, <laughs> but that is neither here nor there for where we're at. Um, because the reality of it is, I started thinking about all the things that we're talking about here. Thinking about misusing scripture. And it really, this maybe should have taken place before now. Um, and so for that, I apologize, but I don't. Because I feel like God has done this in an order that, you know, it, it's all happened and it's it's crazy. There's a lot of things that have happened on the days or the weeks that I've preached sermons where tests have come, trials have happened, and they've all correlated with the sermon that I've been preaching that week. And so for this week, it it almost feels like maybe we should have started here, but it also feels like we have to cover this before we go next week. Uh, so next week we will talk about Proverbs twenty nine eighteen unless the Lord changes his mind again or changes my mind, which he doesn't change his mind, it's me. This week, however, we're going back in Proverbs just a little bit to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 is a verse that we constantly throw around, a verse that in the Christian church or in churches alike uh, that is, is constantly being... Um, tossed about for people as a way to, uh, you know, I guess one of the reasons this hits home with me right now is that I'm a very, I've heard this verse a hundred times in the last three weeks. I've heard this verse a thousand times probably in the last three years. From people who mean well, who are trying to tell me how my love life should be, or trying to tell me where I need to be or who I need to be with, and it's usually accompanying the words, you're too picky, followed by this verse. But you don't, you know, and they try to tell me that I misunderstand this verse. The reality is, is that maybe I am too picky, maybe I do misunderstand this verse, but the thing about it is... It's not that I misunderstand the verse the way that the church has misunderstood this verse. The verse itself, Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. That's the New King James translation. The NIV version, which is the one that everybody seems to throw around, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. We, in true Christian fashion, American church, American Christian fashion 
have dropped the last few words of this verse off, and we just tend to talk about the first ones. Above all else, guard your heart. How many of us have ever heard that verse when thinking about in general, especially even in more recent times, as a justification for why someone is the way they are? Or why someone acts the way they act? Or why someone carries themselves the way they carry themselves? Well, I want to just go ahead and tell you right now, using this verse as a justification for sin or for being non-Christian, as with any other verse, is not a justification. Using this verse as a justification for closing yourself off to the fellowship of Christians is not a justification. So what we look at here today is this. Um, Let's come back to my life for a minute because I know it pretty well and I know I can talk about it. But, you know, maybe part of this conversation stems from the fact that I have had, when, when people come to me and they're like, hey, I've got this person you should meet, I tend to back away. I tend to close myself off. I tend to pull away from the conversation for a new number of reasons. I mean, number one, guard your heart. And I've really been slapped in the face with this study this week by how I've been in some situations, but also, number two, given where I'm at as a minister, I have to be very careful about what is portrayed of me, how I'm putting myself out there, how things are Seen because perception in this world is reality, whether it's truth or not, they still want to attack you. And over the last couple of weeks, we've actually talked about that. Well, where we're at this week in guarding your heart, it seems that that verse has become now a almost a relationship advice, almost a verse that is for relationship advice. And what we see happening here is that we don't want anyone to get too close to us. We don't want anyone to get too personal with us. We don't want to let people in to our little inner circle. Well, the reality of what life is all about is simply this. Let's go beyond just a romantic relationship to let's go to any relationship. How many of us in this room today, and I don't need you to raise your hands, but how many of us in this room today would honestly say, that you close yourself off to certain relationships for whatever reason, but somewhere in the back of your mind that this verse comes to play, where you close yourself off of someone being a part of your life because, well, I've got to guard my heart. I've got to guard my emotions. Now, I'm not saying we don't need to give the gift of goodbye to somebody, but we also have to be very careful as to how things are. I've closed myself off to a lot of things in life, but for a variety of reasons, some people find it difficult to open up, to share their thoughts, to actually um, talk about who they are or talk about their life with others. And, And every one of us seems to find someone that we can open up to. But when that someone tears you apart, when that someone breaks a trust, when that someone ends up putting you in a situation where you no longer feel you can open up. Maybe they took a 
something that you came to them with. Maybe it's your best friend. You went to them and you told them something in confidence. And then the next week they came, someone else came to you and brought up. And that was the only person you had ever told. Well, all of a sudden your trust is broken. All of a sudden you don't know how to handle the situation. And you close yourself off to them and you push them away. And you push away anybody else that might actually have a chance at getting close to you. It does happen in romantic relationships because somebody might hurt you in the past. And then all of a sudden it's too hard for you to allow anyone else in. Because, well, that person ruined you for everyone else. That person ruined you for the next relationship that might be a good relationship for you. That person ruined you because you cannot let go of that person, of what they did to you. This is starting to hit home with some of us, I think. And here's the thing. It's hitting home with me because I recognize a lot of the things that I'm talking about today in my own personal life. And this has been one of the hardest messages to actually prepare. But to be fair, this can be maybe a mere cultural thing. This could simply be something that happens in the culture of nations around the world. Because if you look in other nations, some nations are quite open when it comes to their people. And some nations are so closed off. I mean, I don't know how many of you heard of the island in India where they are so closed off to the outside world. They killed a missionary just a couple weeks ago. Now, the missionary was warned. They said, you shouldn't try to go. But he felt the Lord was calling him to try. Well, what it's done is it's opened up, you know, people know who these people are now. But it's almost like the Jim Elliott story, just in a different part of the world. The story of Jim Elliott, or the story that you shared this morning, I I don't know which one you were talking about. John John Allen, uh, that's what he's talking about. But, yeah, Jim Elliott went, has anybody ever seen the movie The End of the Spear? It's about Jim Elliott and his family. Jim Elliott was a missionary who wanted to go into the, I believe it was Brazil or Peru or somewhere, but he wanted to go into an indigenous tribe. He was warned not to go, but he went. He tried to go in, and as they flew in, him and two other missionaries were shot down with arrows. They were shot through and killed by the time they got there. Well, years later, his son actually was able to go back. And see the people who had a part in killing his father. But yet he preached the gospel to those people when they finally welcomed him in. And brought them to Christ. Maybe not all of them, but I mean that's forgiveness. To go back into an area where somebody died. Your own family member died trying to share the gospel. And to go in and share the gospel even though you know they killed your father. Now... That's a hard story. It doesn't happen all the time. And who knows what's going to happen with this new story that has come out in the last couple of weeks. Or, you know, I don't know the end result of the story you talked about this morning. But what I do know is that there are a lot of things. And basically what we need to understand is that matters of the heart are simply that. Now, when we talk about the heart, we need to understand the excuse me. We need to understand the context with which the heart is talked about here in the Bible. Now, number one, we need to understand that there are certain cultures where matters of the heart just simply are not talked about. In America today, there are families that differ on how things are done. In your family, you may share love. You may have taught love to your children, and they may understand that saying I love you is not a bad thing. 
I say I love you to a lot of people who people, and I get looks from people. I mean, but the way I was raised, it was okay to love people. It was okay to tell people you loved them. The way that my dad lived his life, he shared that with everyone. If my dad loved you, he told you. Because he never knew the last moment he might see you. So love was taught in my, in my house growing up. But I have seen the same houses where love is taught, but it's never said. So the discussion about it, you're really closed off to how you say things. You're really closed off to the care that you have. And some of us in this room today might even understand what I mean by that. You never say I love you, but your actions show you do. But you just don't talk about it because it's, it's a private thing. You know, some parents and children have those relationships. I've, I've watched some kids coaching especially. You've got some kids who say I love you when they get off the phone. And you've got some kids who just hang up. And, and I sit there and I try to process. And then I watch the interactions with them and their parents. And it's the same thing. The parent never says it to the child. The child never says it to the parent. And I wonder how a house can exist like that. Because I grew up in a house where it did. I grew up in a house where, where dad told me he loved me every time he had the opportunity. Where I was talked to about what that love was, the love of Christ and the fact that we needed to share it with others. That is the love that's inside of me. And I'm not at all, if I ever tell you I love you, I mean it. But I'm not ever, ever looking for you to say it back. Because some of us were raised different. I mean, I don't take it personal if somebody doesn't respond the same way with I love you too. In fact, I don't take it personal if you kind of get set back a little bit like, wow, he just told us he loved us. Because I know that's not taught everywhere. But it also doesn't downplay the way that that word is played out in my life. I will do everything I can. If I love you, I love you. You know? And, and the reality is, is we are to love everyone. The reality is, is that love should be evident not only in words but indeed in how we serve. And as we look at this, whatever the case, some people are embarrassed by the word love. Some people are embarrassed by this situation. Well, in the context that we sometimes hear it here, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Well, the natural question is, is it romantic love? Well, the reality is, no. I don't think that's what he's talking about. So as we look at this just real quickly this morning, the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And this is why I feel like this needs to be shared today prior to next week. Because the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And therefore, the first nine chapters of this book are a father to a son. So a father giving advice to a son. So yes, it could be talking about romantically, but let's look at a couple other verses real quickly. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away your deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Let your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot. From evil. Well, I want to real quickly just say this. Number one, if we're looking at this verse and we break it down with those verses in mind, again, contextually speaking, how are we looking at the scripture that we're talking about here? Well, contextually speaking, I do not believe that this father is giving his son 
necessarily love advice. I think the father is giving him life advice. It sure sounds a whole lot like us looking at the book of Ephesians right now. Looking at the armor of God. Putting on the armor of God and making sure that all of those things are checked off the list. Well, the breastplate of righteousness covers the heart, right? And then you've got the helmet of salvation. You've got the belt. You've got the shoes. You've got the whole armor of God that you're putting on. So that you can carry the message in your life. So what does it mean when he's saying, above all else, guard your heart? Well, if we go back a little bit, he's saying, my son, give ear to my sayings. Give ear to my to what I'm telling you. Do not let them depart from your eye. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to their flesh. They are life to those who find them and health to your flesh. And then it says, Keep your heart with all diligence. Well, Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.11 talks about taking God's word and hiding it in the heart. Well, there's other Proverbs that are out there. There's other statements about the heart that we can find within Scripture. There's other things about the heart that we can look at within the Scripture. And, and, and it says that the heart above all else is deceitful. But yet, here he's saying to guard the heart. Well, how many times have we ever heard the words, follow your heart? Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. I've talked about this I don't know how many times already in this church. And the reality of it is, is that we can't stop talking about it now. Following your heart is not guarding your heart. Following your heart is giving in to your selfishness, giving in to your desires. It's not following where Christ is leading you unless Christ has set up residence in your heart. What does it mean to guard your heart? Well, it's important for us to realize, as I said, that this is written to a group of people. Or this is written to a son from a father that we can now apply to a group of people who are sons of fathers, who are people who are given this reality in their life. But here's what it says in Jewish literature. In Jewish literature, the word for heart is an all-encompassing term. In Jewish literature, the word for heart is an all-encompassing term that includes the mind, the emotions, and the will. It is the center of one's being and the source of where all actions come from. In Jewish literature, the heart is the middle of everything. It's not necessarily our emotional guide, so to speak, but it's the, it's the source of life. The heart is the wellspring of life. From it springs all life. Do you understand that today? Do you see why the heart is so important in the conversations that we have within the church? It doesn't mean necessarily that we need to guard ourselves. Matthew 12, 34 says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's what goes in that must come out, right? It's that whole conversation a parent has with a child. Guess what? <clears throat> Our lives today... The way we live them out, our lives today 
reflect the scripture. It reflects godly teaching. Even if we don't know who Christ is, we still reflect it in our moral character. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The laws are based off of Old Testament law, the New Testament law. All of this stuff is based solely because here we are. This is what we're looking at. So I want to look at something real quickly. To guard the heart is to protect your life from unhealthy choices. To protect your life from unhealthy choices. From everything that could cause a problem for you. It's to protect yourself from all of that. Not just from an emotional attachment to someone else. Does that make sense today? Is, am, I, am I clear as mud? Or is it crystal clear? Is it understandable today to protect your life from unhealthy influences that can easily corrupt your character is to guard your heart. And if we apply this in our world today, I can just list a name of number of things that we probably need to avoid. Pornography, gambling, alcoholism, all of these things that really can destroy a person's character. You see, there's a reason why the scripture says avoid all appearance of evil. There's a reason why the scripture says avoid the appearance of evil. Because as I said before, perception becomes reality in this society. Perception has become reality and we start to see things in a different way. We start to look at someone and if I've heard a rumor about Sharon without ever checking with Sharon, I might make, I might make a judgment about Sharon. And I might cast Sharon aside when she's done nothing wrong. She won't understand why. She won't have a clue why. But I guard my heart. I got to protect. Well, but if we continue to cast people off because of things that we haven't ever spoken to them about, well, therein lies another issue. Because then we develop a reputation of being someone who doesn't want to include their Christian brothers and sisters. We develop a reputation of someone who is playing a game of holier than thou. The church has done a really good job of this in America today. Westboro Baptist Church is the best example I can think of of playing a game with fire like this by casting people off, by protesting things that, that it doesn't talk necessarily to in the scripture, but they have cast people aside to the point where as the world has, has seen them now, just the fact that I can say the name and every one of you in here knows who Westboro Baptist Church is says a lot about their reputation. It says a lot about what they've done. It says a lot about their protests and about the things that they have done in the world around us today. And there's a, a lot of Christians today who don't want to be associated with that kind of gospel just solely based on the fact of the connotation that the public now has for who they are. It's not a church that shows love, but a church that hates those who aren't in it. That's the way that you hear people perceive that church. Is that the way we want our church to be perceived? No. Because we are to be exemplifying Christ. And Christ was love. But he guarded his heart. He surrounded himself with the disciples. They were there. They taught the love that needed to be taught to the world. I watched a movie just the last couple of weeks, actually. 
came on on a free preview, and I and I've been wanting to see it. How many of you have seen Paul, Apostle of Christ? Anyone? Good. You need to. It is a well done movie about Paul and talking to Luke, and the whole theme of the movie is about the love of God and not retaliating against the Romans. And it is unbelievable to see that kind of faith, that kind of love put in in front of you on a screen. If I can find a copy of it that we can bring in here and show, I'll be more than happy to do it. Because I think we need to see it. We need to see that example. No matter what came against him in life, Paul guarded his heart, but he loved. He would not retaliate because the moment you take love out of your heart, the moment you stop loving those around you, the moment you let pride or hatred or something else get in the way of where the love should be is the moment that you lose your reputation for Christ. Because no longer are you exemplifying him to those around you. You see, the heart is your life. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. It is the wellspring of life. It's also why Christ talked about making residence in your heart. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the heart. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the centerpiece of this. This is the only way you can find it. So what does he mean by guard your heart? Well, I think that what we can apply today, here's the thing, as we close this out this morning, in ministry we meet all kinds of people. And in ministry I have met some quiet, some loud, and I can go through this church and name for you which ones are which. I'm going to list it though. I'm not going to. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. But I will say this. There are some of you who are quiet. There are some who are loud. There are some who are overly sensitive. There are some who are a bit hardened to the world around them. There's some that wear their hearts on their sleeve and there are some that are hard nuts to crack. Am I right? Have I pretty much encompassed the entire congregation in this? I'm a little bit of all of them at some points depending on who you are and and what you've done to me in the past. But I'm trying to fix that because like I said, this sermon, this week, this message has slapped me in the face of what I've done by guarding my heart but not understanding how I should guard it. But what I want to say is this is how God designed us. We are designed to live in a community. We are designed to live in unity, in community with one another. And it's going to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Remember, the, remember the, where Paul talks about the different parts of the body? That we all are different parts, but we make up the whole. That there might be a hand, there might also be a foot and an ear, but a hand can't say I'm an ear. And I can't say I'm a mouth. Those things don't work together the way they're supposed to. You were designed for a purpose. Community starts with us understanding the purpose we were designed for. This is why we had to talk about this before we go into next week and talk about vision. Because this is where we are. Guarding your heart doesn't necessarily mean romantic relationships. It doesn't necessarily mean guarding yourself against any type of a relationship. It means to guard your life. It means to look at who you are. 
What is the reputation you have amongst the community? What is it that people see when they look at you? Do they see Christ or do they see selfishness? Do they see someone who is striving to live for the Savior? Or do they see someone who is trying to live for the world while saying one thing and doing another? Do they see someone who's trying to please everyone? Or do they see someone who's trying to please the one? And in the process, who cares? If you hurt somebody else, if their mind is on the same Savior yours is on, you shouldn't displease them. Let's just be honest about that today. If I'm serving Christ and I'm trying to live the best life I can for him, I shouldn't displease Joe if he's trying to live the same life. Now, if he's trying to live a life that pleases the world, if we're trying to reach out into the community and, and, and cater to different groups of people, they're going to get offended when we don't follow their rule. But it's not their rule we should be following anyway. Those that want to say that abortion is right, they get mad when you tell them that the scripture says it's wrong. Does that mean we can't offer forgiveness to those who have already committed that? No. It means we can love them and show them the love of Christ and show them that even though a mistake was made, there is love in this. The same thing for homosexuality. The same thing for anything we face in the world. Does it mean we need to keep them out the doors? No. It means we need to love them to him and strive to serve through love. <clears throat> it may not be the prettiest picture sometimes, but we all came from an unpretty picture. We all came from a situation where we weren't necessarily loved the way that we thought we should be loved. But that love brought us to where we are, where we can love others in the same way. You see, inevitably relationships involve risk. Relationships involve taking a risk, stepping out on faith and doing something. And yes, there will be times when we get hurt. There will be times when we get disappointed. And there will be times when certain relationships crush us. There'll be times that we have to be careful. We have to be careful and and not close ourselves off to the possibility of a future relationship with someone else as a friendship or romantic, whatever it might be. I can't take, if Tammy has hurt me, I can't take that to a relationship with Brenda and expect the same from Brenda. Or if Jordan has hurt me, I can't take it to a relationship with Tammy and expect the same relationship with Tammy to happen because Jordan hurt me. Then I hold that against Tammy because of what Tammy hasn't done to me. What was it I said a few weeks ago? Hurt people, or Jonathan said it, I think. Hurt people hurt people. But, you know, if you're not careful to heal the wound... You'll bleed on the ones that didn't cut you is, is a quote I came across one day. And I find truth in that. If you're not careful to heal the wound that you have, you will bleed on someone that didn't cut you because you will take it out on them. You will, you will go after the ones that aren't responsible. Guarding your heart is not a valid excuse to distance yourself from people. It's not a valid excuse to distance yourself from the people that love you that care for you, that are there for you. It's not a valid excuse for you to distance yourself from God because you feel that the church hurt you, so God must be responsible. That's not the case. The church hurt you because they're people too. And they don't know how to guard their heart necessarily. Basically, to be fair, certain types of people tend to be more intellectual 
rather than emotional when it comes down to it. But there's nothing wrong with that. In other words, the church is made up of an entire host of personality conflicts. It's how we come together in a community that shows who we truly are as a body of Christ. So who do you love today? How, how is that work out for you today? How is it that today you have the opportunity when you're sitting in here today and you're looking at everything that's out in front of you, how is it that today you have the opportunity to love someone the way that you weren't necessarily loved, but you want to push them aside because you're so worried about, well, so-and-so did this to me in the past. Someone hurt me, so therefore I can't love like I need to love. That's not a good excuse today. So as we close this out, I just have this simple statement. We should never be as concerned with our relationships as much as we should guard against the things that corrupt world would throw at us. We should never be as concerned with relationships as we should guard against the things that this world will stain us with. And then in that, it is in this context that we have to always have um, God's help to seek us or to seek to guard our hearts. We need God's help guarding our hearts today. Why? Because the heart is the center of the matter. And it's with that in mind that now next week we can move forward to talk about vision. Because vision also discusses the heart. And I'm going to talk about Proverbs 29.18 that says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. That's not exactly a great translation, just to be honest with you. There's, there's better translations out there. We're going to talk about it. That's the King James Version. But where there is no vision, people perish. Think about that this week. Pray about that this week. And ask God to show you some things. Because come in here next week with the mindset that we're going to wrap this series on vision up with a bang. And, uh, I mean, it may even take two weeks. I don't know. Because the reality of it is is that vision is what is going to get us to move forward. As we look forward into the 2020 mindset of where we're going to go, I think next week it all comes to a point. But where there is no vision, people perish. That is the vision for next week, unless the Lord changes that again. Uh, That being said, instead of singing today, um, we're just going to close things out with prayer. If you have a decision to make, uh, please talk to me. Talk to uh, one of the board members before you leave. But... Don't leave here today thinking that I've torn you apart. The heart of the matter is simply Christ did come. Christ was sacrificed for our sins and our transgressions. But the heart is where life comes from. He sets up residence in our heart because it's where life comes from. Our heart is the most important part of our body. In that it is the wellspring of life. It is where our desires are found. Remember, we've already talked about where it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that's why I feel like this verse should have been maybe a little earlier. But next week, we're going to jump into this. We're going to talk about this. But I do want to simply say this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good character. 
Who are you hanging around with? Who are you making a part of your life? Who do you see in your life today? But, you know, we'll, we'll even talk about this a little more next week. And I brought up abortion and some of those issues. I think that those also fall in line with next week's message. So we'll talk about those as well.